when summer hits, the whole church takes vacation, right? That's <laughs> all right. Praise God. All right, well, let's get right into it. Let's go ahead and pray. And um, <clears throat> we've got a lot of ground to cover this morning. We have communion also. And we're glad you're here. We welcome our online church. I already checked in on you guys. I know you're there, so we welcome them also. Father, we thank you this morning for this worship. And Father, we thank you for the, the words that have already been <clears throat> said through worship, God, that Father, you are the way maker. You are the one that, that moves everything that needs to be moved. And, and this morning, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit completely, completely takes this service, Lord, that we need to know you. We need to know the giftings. We need to know how all this works. And I thank you that our hearts are open to receive. Father, none of me and all of you this morning, that our words will come forth and change somebody's heart in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. All right, let's, um, we've been on this series. I titled it, I Know a Ghost, and, and it's really trying to learn who the Holy Spirit is. And, you know, we've been doing this for a while. And one of the things that I've, my goal, I believe, and it really is helping me even on a personal level, is to try not to just go where every other Holy Spirit teaching goes, you know, that they all kind of lean real heavy into the Pentecostal experience, and there's nothing wrong with the Pentecostal experience, and we'll get to that, you know, we believe in that, we are, we are a, but I think on the same note, you know, that it has to be handled correctly, because I don't know where you, what your background is, but if, if your background, if your only experience with a charismatic church is Faithway, you're going to be all right, <laughs> all right. Let me just say that, but I've been around the block and I've seen some things that were done in the name of the Holy Spirit that there was no Holy Spirit involved in that, and I don't want to spend time on that, <clears throat> but it is important that the church learns how to recognize the Holy Spirit. you agree with that? Because, you know, deception is everywhere, and a lot of good people, you know, they have a desire for, for and a hunger for the supernatural, but they don't quite understand it, and a lot of the things that, again, my experience, what I've seen, when people talk about the move of the Holy Spirit seemed like to me was really based on a desire of people to understand the presence of God, but at the end their emotions got involved heavily and it was more of an emotional experience than a spiritual experience. Now that's just my experience again, we've had different ones. So we're going to kind of, you know, in the next couple of weeks we're going to look into it. So we're going to, you know, I, the, the, we're part three of our series and it's just simply titled The Gift of the Holy Spirit Part One. There was only one part yesterday, but I kept working on it, and now there's like three parts. So Kathy asked me this morning, when are you going to be done? I said, probably by Christmas, so we should be good. We should know the Holy Spirit by Christmas. But, um, you know, it's one of those subjects that, you know, it's just a matter of navigating. You never finish the subject because it's God. You know, the Holy Spirit's not separate to God. So my, my goal is for you to have a working understanding, you know, that to you understand that, that the supernatural in a believer's life is not, should not be a strange event. Everything, we're, our, whole, our whole faith, pay attention to what I'm going to say now, our whole faith is based on the supernatural. Are you here? You know, and then it's, it's amazing that we get educated, we get very intellectual with the things of God, and then we want to say, okay, I go to church, you know, I do my church thing, pay my tithe, pray, that's Jesus in my heart. But then when it comes to say, hey, there's a, you know, there's the Spirit of God is available for you to walk in some supernatural events, 
people kind of shun from it, right? They're like, oh, wait, wait a minute, I don't know about that, you know, it's kind of weird, kind of mystical. Well, let me help you, let's go back. What was our faith built on? Are you still here this morning? Our whole faith is built on some guy who raised from the dead. Think about that. If that's not super, not just some guy, you know, we know it's Jesus, but I'm saying from the standpoint of, a, an, of an observer, this whole Christian faith is completely based on a super, supernatural event. You know, I'm talking especially, you know, we go into the Old Testament. The Old Testament is filled with supernatural events. But us as the New Testament church, our whole faith is based on two completely supernatural events. Number one, virgin birth. Are you still here? You know, years and years ago, I had a situation where a parent was, you know, dealing with a teenage pregnancy, and her first words of her mouth as they went to counsel with me were, I don't know how it happened, and I'm like, um, I do. <laughs> and it wasn't the Holy Spirit. That's all I'm going to say, all right? He did it once, and that was it. You know, our whole faith is based on this. You know, it's based on, you know, a supernatural conception, supernatural birth, Stories of miracles, signs, and wonders, a death, and if that's not enough of supernatural events, a resurrection, a life that was completely lifeless, that was completely beat down, bled out, broken, you know, on so many levels, and something happened, and that life became alive again, and we can go to that life and invite him into our life, and now we have hope in the future. Are you still here? So the whole foundation is supernatural, and I think it's a, it's a mistake for the church to navigate so carefully away from the supernatural that they, that they you know, because I, I get it, I'm, I'm that person, I don't want what, you know, what we would call wildfire, I don't want stuff that is not the Holy Spirit. Are you here? And we are very careful of that in this church because, again, I've seen things, and most of those things end up hurting a lot of people. You know, false prophecies and, and words and, and schemes and scams and done in the name of the Holy Spirit, and that's not what this is about. This is about you understanding that God gave you his spirit, which is him. And I know our brain has a hard time grabbing the idea of a trinity. You know, I get that. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then if you're very philosophical, sometimes I, you know, I go too deep in my own thinking and say, well, you know, how could God have a son in heaven, right? And you, and you can get really confused, but, you know, it's not like that. It's just God's and the three dimensions in the, that, he, that he moves in. He moves... He moves as God the creator. That's why we call him father. He, can, you know, he created things. He started things. Then we have God the, the, the son, that that was the only connection that we could relate to as humans. Amen? But he also left his spirit. So it's, all, it's, it's one being with diff, three different approaches. You're not dealing with three people. And I know, our, like I said, our brain kind of goes tilt when we try to grab that. And again, you don't have to understand everything about everything, but you do have to understand you know, what is the responsibility of the Godhead? What is God the Father? How do you interact with God the Father? Even that area is, there's a lot of confusion. How do you interact with God, you know, God the Son? And that one's probably the one that we understand the best because that's the one we talk about all the time. And then you have the one, how do you act and, you know, interact with God the Spirit? And I think that one's one of the most important ones to understand because that's the portion, or that's the part, not portion, that's the part that God left here. And if you don't understand that part of the Holy Trinity, you're going to miss out on most of the, the, you know, the amazing things that God can do because he will interact with you, listen to me very carefully, 100%. Everybody say 100%. 100% of the time, he'll interact with you through his spirit. That's what he said. And then, you know, I'm kind of recapping because we're into week three. 
you know, the very first service we talked is very foundation. You have to define what Neuma is. What was his name? You know, was he a ghost? What is he? No, the word Neuma is the breath of God. And then you begin to really think about it. And, it, you know, it depends how much you want to think about this, but you can really dig into understanding that the breath of God is everywhere. Amen? Amen. The breath of God is everywhere. I mean, it's everywhere you see it. There's no creation. There's not a living being out there, not a plant or an animal or a person, that it does not exist because of the breath of God. Pay attention now, because everything, I'm going back to Genesis, everything was created through his breath, and that is the word for spirit. Amen? Y'all stay out too late last night, or what? Y'all like, I know the Bruni people stayed out too late. So if they fall asleep, cut them some slack. Because their graduation went on for like 18 hours. But it was good. It was good. I, mean, I, I left like an hour five. I had to leave, but that was fine. No, just kidding. Last night I was over there. It was great. But, um, you know, we really have to understand this idea of, of who the Holy Spirit. So let's go into it. Um, go to John chapter 20, verse 19. And I want to show you because we have this idea that the Holy Spirit came upon the church on the day of Pentecost, and that is not correct. And we're going we're gonna to separate these things. The Holy Spirit did not come on the disciples on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came on the disciples when Jesus spoke and breathed the same breath that we find in Genesis. We find it in the New Testament, John 20, verse 19. That evening, and this is referring to the evening, you know, after Jesus was raised from the dead and he, ascend, you know, he ascended to heaven, he descended and walked with them 40 days. That evening, that's what it's referring to. So this is right after the resurrection to give you a little time frame of where we're at. And because they were afraid of reprisals from the Jewish leaders, they had locked the doors, but suddenly Jesus appeared among them and said, Peace to you. Then he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were overjoyed to see the Lord with their own eyes. Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you. And he told them, Just as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. Now pay attention to that verse 22. Then, taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is important that you see this because, you know, we're a charismatic church. We understand the move of the Holy Spirit, but we, we seem to lock it all in into the book of Acts. And, and, and we're going to talk about that probably next week. I don't think I can get to that today. But there's, there's this one event that you cannot ignore. Because we're, you know, we have this picture, and, I, and I, for years I heard it like this, and I process it like this, and then, I, and then, you know, through more study and more reading, you're like, hey, wait a minute, this is not... 100% accurate in the way it was presented. Not that it was wrong, but it sounded like, well, the disciples, you know, Jesus came, the, he hung out with his disciples, no, no major event happened. He told them, go to Jerusalem and wait. And they went, and they all just stayed there in that upper room, 120 of them, and then the Holy Spirit came on them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spake in other tongues, and you know the story, Acts chapter 2. Well, that, you know, that is a separate event from this. This is the, really the beginning of the church. A lot of people say, well, the book of Acts is the beginning of the church. You know, we, we, we recognize it as the beginning because there was a structure. There was not only 12 of them, there was 120. So, yes, we can say, you know, from a theological perspective that, yeah, the beginning of the church is Acts chapter 2, but not the beginning of the move of the Holy Spirit. Because now there's, some, there's an event that could have not happened till the resurrection of Christ. And this is what you've got to grab onto. All these disciples, while they were walking with Jesus, they weren't born again. You realize that, right? Cricket sound would have been good there. Amen, Pastor Box. We realize that. Thank you for your excitement on that revelation. They walked with Jesus in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. 
The New Testament begins the day that he is resurrected. That's our covenant. And you have to understand dispensations because then you get everything mixed up and you're trying to pull stuff out of the Old Testament and apply it into the New Testament. And that's, you know, that is the, analogy, you know, the, the example that Jesus used by saying you can't put new wine in old wineskins. You know, he says you can't bring the law into grace. And the Holy Spirit is very important that you understand because the Holy Spirit is really the one that's going to help us understand that transition. So the disciples, the Holy Spirit, just like the Old Testament, and I talked about this last week, would come on people, would come upon people, they would do amazing feats, but then the Holy Spirit would lift off people. And you can see David do some amazing feats, like kill Goliath, you know, and, and do these amazing things by the Spirit of God. And, you know, a few chapters forward, he's committing adultery and having a guy killed. Same guy. Why? Because the Spirit of God lifts, and then they're mortal, you know, they're just mortal flesh. You know, they don't have any, you know, the, the Adamic nature was on top of everything. And, and that's why in the Old Testament you see them do, you know, a very spiritual thing, and then you see them do a very flesh thing. Amen? And that we can bring it into the New Testament, and here we go. Because here's the thing that every one of you, I don't want to say every one of you, but most of us, and I'll include myself, we'll struggle with. We will struggle with. Because we are, we believe we are spiritual beings, you know, and we have the Holy Spirit, we go to church, we love Jesus. But most of you, or not all of you, but some of you, some like me that are not completely redeemed or as holy as you are, all it takes is for somebody to flick you off and you find out how spiritual you are. Thank you for your excitement on that one. You're over there all hillsongy, worship Jesus, and somebody goes, boom, and it's like death metal now. <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you didn't want to go there. And um, anyway, I'm not going to tell my stories about that. But you know what I'm saying? It's very easy to move from a very spiritual perspective or a, or a very spiritual moment and immediately go into a place where you don't really want to go. And that could be various reasons from addictions to fighting to strife to so forth and so on. So kind of recapping this, this idea, here on this scripture, you see now the disciples now have the ability to be born again because now Jesus has been resurrected. And they all believe in Jesus. And, and you know, we, you know, Christians, evangelical Christians, we, we got the, the salvation experience down to a little cute little card, pray this prayer, you're saved. And there's nothing wrong with that because if you believe it, but at the end of the day, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? So all these disciples technically were born again as soon as Jesus walked into the room. And as soon as they recognized him, they're like, you know, they didn't have to go, oh, Jesus, come into my little heart. They didn't have to do that. They were like, Jesus, born again, right? But then God said, wait, there's one more thing. And Jesus did exactly what his father did back in the Garden of Eden. Think about that. So we have, we go back to the Garden of Eden. We're not going to go back in Scripture but I'm trying to carry you through, the, through an understanding of how this works. So you go back to the Garden of Eden, you have Adam in the flesh. You know, he's made out of dirt. He's got the shape of a man. He's got all the organs of a man. He's got hair. He's got everything to be a man, but there's no life in him. And what does God do? It says, and God breathed into the man Adam, and he became a speaking spirit. So we have Adam becoming a speaking spirit, Old Testament, the beginning of the church. New Testament, we have Jesus doing exactly the same thing over, yes, living beings, but now he's breathing his spirit into his disciples. Are you with me now? 
So now they're fully equipped. They're born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, well, what about the book of Acts? Well, we'll get to that. I'll, you know, I'll explain what are the little few differences there that happened in the book of Acts. Number one, there was 120 of them. Here it's 11, okay? So that would be a big one. But nonetheless, it's still, the event was here. You know, this is where, where Jesus says, okay, I've gone to heaven. I've delivered my blood at the Holy of Holies. I've come back down to hang out with you guys for 40 days, teach you some things about the kingdom of God. But hey, wait a minute. Y'all line up. And now he equips them. For what? To do supernatural things. Because you see, once again, you live in a complete natural world full of all kinds of natural stuff, including disasters. You know, you've heard the idea, natural disasters, you know, cancers, wars, strife, immorality. We could go down the list of all the upheavals of society and nothing new. They've always been there. You know, it's not like, oh, this is the worst time to live. It's always been evil. You know, now except we see it on Facebook and everywhere else. Back then they didn't have that. But there's evil, evil has always been. But so we, now we come to Christians, and if we're not careful, Christianity has, will become, and it's becoming, because, and I'll tell you why you can tell it, and I don't want to give you all the statistics, it won't take you all but a Google search to find it, but you know, even denominations, I was very, very much surprised. Well, I guess not surprised. I was just, you know, eyebrow raised to my forehead moment that the Baptist church, and, and not just the Baptist, you know, Baptist is a huge organization, I came out of the Baptist organization, good, good, good organization, you know, but they ordained a transgender pastor. Now, let's stop acting like that's okay. I mean, if you're all okay with that, you got a problem, and that problem is called this. If you're okay with that, you got a problem. If you're okay with homosexual pastors, you've got a problem. You know, I'm not bashing homosexuality. I'm just saying that's not for the church. Are you here? That's part of that system, that immoral system. I was having a conversation with my grandson about all this. And again, some people think, oh, pastor box homophobic. I'm not homophobic. You know, I just believe homosexuality can be cured just like cancer. That's what I believe. I would just believe it's another dark thing the devil puts on people, doesn't make them less people, doesn't make them less humans. I've, you know, I've interacted a lot with people that have chosen that lifestyle, and I've seen some people come out of it. I've seen some people not come out of it. But, you know, I was explaining something, you know, to my grandson about this, you know, because we're talking about all this, and it's really crazy that you have to have these conversations with an 11-year-old, but that's the age that we live in. I said, you know, here's the thing, because he was asking me, you know, like some of his classmates they were saying that they were bi and they were this. I'm like, these kids don't even know how to wipe their butt. What are you talking about? Um, sorry, but I mean, that's really, you know, do you think an 11-year-old really knows what their gender, I mean, yeah, they know what their gender is, all these guys to look us down, but to basically, well, I'm lesbian, I'm a homosexual, you know, that is not, that is, that is being programmed into them through society. I get to the point of my, you know, my dad told me years and years ago, you're going to get to an age where you don't care. I just reached it. <laughs> I really don't care what you think. I don't care. You know, I'm lying if people start, oh, I don't pass your boxes wrong. I'm just going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little information. Now that I'm on that subject, somebody needs to hear it on how, to, how do you address it. So for example, most people that subscribe to that lifestyle, not everybody, but most people, they have to subscribe a little bit into the atheism idea, because if you're really going to worship the true and living God, it is pretty clear that he frowns on that. Can you say an amen? 
It's all through the Bible. It's not like one random scripture. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. That is not an, that is not an appropriate thing. Again, I'm not saying that, you know, you need Jesus. We all need Jesus, but don't, don't, let's not act like it's normal. Now that I'm on that, I'm not, I need to stay on it, right? Yeah, I, I want to get off of it really quick. But, so this is what I told, I said, because I had these debates. If you know who Charles Darwin is, he is the creator, or the one that came up with the idea of natural selection, or what you would know as the theory of evolution. You know, And if you're an atheist, you have to subscribe to that. You don't have any choice. You can't subscribe to anything else. You can't, you can't subscribe to creation. You have to subscribe to evolution. Well, evolution, the first rule, I don't know if it's maybe the first, but one of the main points of natural selection is the reason evolution exists, according to Darwin, is because every species has to try to ensure its future. In other words, only the strong survive. So every species will evolve according to their, how do you say, to, for, the, for the ability for them to continue to exist. That's, that's the basis of the, natu- you know, the law of natural selection. So here's a question to all our A, B, C, D, E, F, G, L, G, B, T, Q community and all the other letters they want to add to it. If you subscribe to that lifestyle, more than likely you probably believe in evolution. Well, according to your leader, Mr. Darwin, you have to cease to exist because according to the laws of natural selection, you will disappear. Isn't it weird that they believe that, but at the same time their own laws say that you are an, something off that couldn't, cannot happen. I'm just talking within the context of evolution. I'm not talking Jesus or anything. Within that context, you have to, because for you to be able to evolve and continue to exist, guess what you have to have? Babies. And if you can't have babies, according to the law of Darwin, your kind, through in a few thousand years, will completely disappear. Are you all still tracking with me? So when somebody wants to bring up that discussion, just hit them with their own information. You don't have to go all Jesus on them and say, okay, let's talk about Darwin. Since you believe that that's a natural thing, that you believe people that's a normal thing. No, it's not normal, so let's stop pretending it's normal. It's not normal with their atheist views, and it's completely not normal with the views of God. Now that I got it out of my system, now I can preach. All right. But you see, these are the kinds of things the church needs to talk about. But the church is all scared because the church, and this is where I was going with this, the church is, be, is adapting and molding and adapting to the point where we're uh, ordaining and licensing pastors that God said that's not right. So what's happening with the church? I'll tell you what's happening with the church. The church is dying, and the only way they can figure out how to continue to grow or continue to hold the grounds of the church is if they become part of the culture and let me help you, the church was never supposed to be part of the culture. The church is completely counterculture, if you check it out. Amen? The church is a whole different thing because we live in a different place. We're not better than anybody. I'm not saying, you know, don't misunderstand me. I am not anti-anything. I am pro-God. And if you need help, I'll help you, and I'll counsel you, and I'll pray for you, and I love you. I don't care what your background is or what your confusion in your head is about, you know, where you're supposed to go with, you know, your gender and all that. But it's just very simple. Just because you feel like something, you know, I can feel like I, you know, I'm a cow today, but I'm not a cow. Amen. And the church continues to mold and mold and mold, and pretty soon the church 
and you see it across America, a lot of people, you know, big churches packed out, and praise God for packed out churches, but they have to be packed out for the right reasons. You can't be packed out because you're just tickling people's ears and telling them, yeah, it's okay, Jesus loves you, do whatever you want to. That's not the Bible. We chose, again, I, I say this all the time, you don't have to be a Christian. But if you choose to be a Christian, guess what? These are your guidelines right here. You don't have to be a Christian. I, you know, I mean, I have atheist friends. I have an atheist cousin. I don't have a problem. You know, I know, I know people part of the LGBTQ community. I know them. I don't have a problem with them. I don't dislike them. I'm just saying don't call yourself a Christian and try to continue that. I used to be on drugs. I get it. Guess what? I had to fix that. Are you here? And I'm not, gonna, I'm not just talking to that. The same thing goes with heterosexual activity. You know, because once you're a Christian, you're supposed to be with one person. And you're supposed to have one of these. Not the Bible, the ring. Get one of these, too. So you didn't see it because I covered it with the Bible. Because some people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm just going to sleep around. No, well, yeah, you might be a Christian, but you're in violation to God's covenant. Did he have a fight with Pastor Monica? Or why is he being like that? No, I'm not. But I'm saying we need to understand some of these things because the Holy Spirit, this is all connected, church, is not going to function in stupidity. And that's what it is. The Holy Spirit will function and will move in your life and will give you a supernatural lifestyle if you let him. I can tell you, we could sit here for the rest of my time I could just sit here and tell you one story after another story after another story after another story that makes no sense in the natural, but we saw God move. I'm not going to do that. You know, maybe I'll, I'll share a few, but I could just sit here. Have you had a supernatural life? Oh, yeah. From finances to protection to all kinds of crazy stuff. Amen? You know, we've been in, we were coming down, um, I'm trying to look around and see if anybody in this room was with us. I guess not. Well, Maurice and Michelle were. Michelle somewhere. <laughs> we're coming down in a van with a crazy Ukrainian driver. Ukrainians, well, I'm not going to talk about them because they're watching me. I love y'all, but y'all need to learn how to drive. <laughs> and we were in a van full of kids, first trip to Ukraine, and it was two vehicles, and one was a smaller vehicle, and we were in a bigger van with about 10 or 12 of the young people, myself, my wife, and a bunch of others, and we are coming down a mountain, and Western Ukraine, close to the border with Slovenia. And the guy was just, go, like, going really fast and whatever, you know. And, and he finally, there was a problem with the van, and we pulled over, and they got out, and they took the wheel, and all the brake, Freddie, the whole thing, you know, where the drum is, was completely shattered. We should have died in that van. I don't know what held that tire together, this guy was just peeling down, and when he heard a noise, he stopped, and the wheel just, blah, just fell off. Don't you tell me we haven't seen the supernatural hand of God. Amen? There was no reason for I mean, as soon as he parked and they jacked it up, the wheel fell down. They didn't have to take the bolts off. Those are the kind, and, and said, so, oh, come on, Pastor. Well, I mean, hey, if you don't know anything about vehicles and mountains, <laughs> you know, and tires falling off of vehicles, God is involved in everything. But the church has to understand that the, you have to know the Holy Spirit. And, and my introduction wasn't a rant against anything, so don't misunderstand. Or those of you watching me online, don't misunderstand what I said. You know, keep it in the context that I said again, and I'll, I'll do it. We're not anti-anything. And everyone is welcome in this church. They are. And we will treat them rightly. 
But if they come to me and say, do you endorse this? I will say, no, I don't. You're welcome to come to my church, and you can take a seat, and you can listen to the word. But if you think we're going to approve of that kind of relationship, I would have to be in violation to what God said. And, that, and let me tell you, my first job in this, in this church this morning, my first job overall is to please God. Amen? And I'm not going to go and act like something's okay when God said it's not okay. That's all I'm saying. And that covers the whole gambit. I'm not just saying, oh, he's just on, on the homosexual thing. No, that's everything. That's everything that this Bible tells us because, you know, we could just sit there and pick on that one and pick on that one. No, we have to cover immorality on everything. The same thing if you're dwelling into pornography. The same thing if you are intoxicated all the time. All these things, it's not that you're lesser of a person. It means that God can help you get past that. They're just diff different upheavals of society, but at the end of the day, everyone needs Jesus. All right? So once you understand what happens here, that the Holy Spirit has come upon people for a reason. And I know we're going to do the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but you're going to be surprised that when you talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's a whole lot of other gifts than the ones that are just mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. And, and, you know, we want to get to that, but you have to understand the whole concept. If you just zero in on it, and I actually picked only about 15 different ones because as I was studying, I came up with all these numbers, and then I finally stopped. I, at one point, I had 30 things that the Holy Spirit does, and I'd say, Lord, we'll never finish if I go down that path. So... Let's go back into the Word. I just wanted to share this because we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. And as just like any other person in your life, they will either feel welcome or they won't feel welcome with you. That's just the bottom line. So I want to do everything in my life, and it's a struggle, trust me, to keep the Holy Spirit feeling welcome in my life. Now, let's go now to Luke chapter 4, and let's talk about Let's break down his job description. The Holy Spirit has a job description. And he will not walk out of that. Now, his job description is very, very large. I mean, he'll cover a lot of areas. But if you go to the Holy Spirit and say, like, Holy Spirit, give me the lotto numbers, he's probably not going to do that. More than likely, he won't, because that's not in the job description. Amen? So let's go to Luke 4.18. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And... Jesus has already been baptized by John. The Spirit of God has come upon Jesus, as you remember, at the water baptism. From there, he went to the desert and, and fasted and prayed for over 40 days and dealt with Satan for 40 days. And then he comes from that experience, and now we have him here. He goes to the church that he's always gone to. Everybody knows him. He's been there since he was a kid. And as Jewish custom is, they will take out a scroll. They will put on the prayer shawl, They'll cover their head. They will read it. This is, you know, a Jewish church service, if you want to call it. The rabbis will sit there, and somebody will make a reading. They will roll up the reading. They will put it away. They'll sit down, and then people will talk about it. And, the, and there will be commentary, and there will be depth. Well, that's just a normal thing they do, but except this day, something else happened. Because at the end of all this, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what verse 20 says because we're not going there, but he did say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Now, we're going to get to the scripture that was fulfilled in their ears. They got so mad, they tried to kill him. Now, I know I make people mad when I'm preaching, but nobody's tried to kill me yet. <laughs> Amen. I said yet. Maybe never. Okay. So now, now that you understand, so this is, you know, Brother Jesus is a, is a church, like he always is, and he's going to do what Brother Jesus does, except this day he has that one little phrase to say, now we're here. And that's what really irritated him. 
But this is the Holy Spirit's job description. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed, this is Amplified Version, by the way, the Messiah, and then it breaks down into each of these categories. Because if the Holy Spirit on Jesus was placed for him to be able to fulfill his calling, guess what? The Holy Spirit on you still carries the same giftings. So when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we can't just run to, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 and pull out the, the nine gifts, but we have to go into this and begin here because the, this is it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Holy Spirit is now with him, and he has anointed me. In other words, he has endowed me, he has prepared me, he has qualified me, whatever, however you want to define the word anointing. And the word anointing is to smear on, to, to cover completely, and that's what Jesus was referring to. And he says, number one, to preach the good news. This is good news, by the way, so smile. So you're like, huh, I can't even smile. This is good news. Good news, you're going to hell. You're not going to hell. That's pretty good news. Amen? But he says, he has anointed me to preach the good news. Not, but what is it specifically? To the poor. And I've heard preachers say, well, that's just talking about people poor in spirit. Poor to, it's talking about people poor in spirit, poor in their soul, and poor financially. It covers every area. This is the good news that will bring you out of lack any, in any arena of your life you have a lack of joy or you have a lack of money, the Spirit of God was anointed Jesus to release a message, which was good news to the poor. All right, so number one. Another, number two, he sends me to announce the release of the captives. So the anointing of the Holy Spirit is available to set people free from anything that they're tied down to, from drugs to immorality to, you know, anything that has you captured, depression, anxiety, you know, and again, I know some of these are medical conditions, I understand that, but anything that has captured you, any area of your life where you have lost control over it, from addictions to bad attitudes to whatever, the Holy Spirit carries that anointing. Then comes the healing anointing, recovery of sight to the blind. And that is not just specific to open blind eyes. That's specific to every area of blindness, spiritual, emotional, but also the area of healing. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings the healing. We've had two powerful testimonies this year in Faithway, one in Laredo, one here, you know, of people that have walked through, you know, a very, very bad medical report. They got on God. They got on the Holy Spirit. And, you know, at least the one in Laredo, she has a complete... Bill of Health, the doctors confirmed it that she's cancer-free. Glory to God. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit does. I have a granddaughter today. You saw her up here. She's alive today because of what the Holy Spirit does. I have a wife sitting on the front door. She's alive today because of what the Holy Spirit does. Amen? All right. Next one. To send... No, go back to my scripture. To send forth as delivered... Those who are oppressed, pay attention, because that might be you this morning or at any point in your life, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. You know, life comes at you hard. Life does a lot of unfair things. Let's go ahead and resolve this. Life is not fair. You know, what do you want me to say? Some people, that's not fair. Well, welcome to the world, sunshine. It's just not fair. But guess who is fair? God. 
And he tells you right there that the, that the Holy Spirit also empowered Jesus and empowers you to heal oppression, to heal people that are downtrodden, that are bruised, that are crushed, that are broken down. And then verse 19, he makes a reference to the Old Covenant. He says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. And that verse 19 refers to the year of Jubilee in the Jewish tradition. Again, I don't want to take a lot of time to bore you with theology, but it is important. Every 50 years, according to the Jewish tradition, not that they do it today, but it was part of their law, every debt got canceled. Somebody say, glory to God. If you, owed, if you sold your land because you needed money, every 50 years, everything was zeroed out. That land went back to your kids if you weren't around, or your grandkids, but the land went back to the rightful owners. If you were a bond servant, you know what that is? That you would sell yourself to pay off debts. At 50 years, you were released from your debt. In other words, at every 50 years, every debt was canceled. And what I love about that, it represents generational blessing. Amen? It means the generation, every 50 years, had a reset. Well, that was a 50 years in the natural calendar. With Jesus, it's a spiritual reset. Think about it. He came to cancel every debt you have. Now, we believe it in the area of sin, but guess what? He'll help you walk through natural debt. He'll help you walk through all kinds of stuff. So the year of Jubilee is also something that the Holy Spirit carries. So here's, you know, here's the very first introduction. I'm talking New Testament. The Old Testament, we have so many references to what the Holy Spirit does, but we're, I'm trying to keep it in context of the church because I want to talk to you about being a supernatural church before we even get to. Now, let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, I'm going to shotgun through these, so I'm not going to stop and read Scripture because we would never get done. But I want to give you some specific functions, and I just picked 15. I'm telling you, I, I was studying this thing all week, and I kept coming up and coming up and coming up, and I'm like, man, we got we to find the most relevant one. So, so let's go down the list. And again, I'm just going to go, like I said, go through these pretty quick. Specific functions of the Holy Spirit. Number one, and again, all the references in there, take a screenshot or make a note, and, you, and if you like to study your Bible on your own, you should go back and cross-reference every one of these. Number one, and again, no specific order. It's not like the main one. It's just, you know, order. It's just numbers. He glorifies and exalts Jesus, and he reveals him to us. Holy Spirit's job is to show you Jesus, like, you know, to show you the Father. Number two, he convicts us. And actually, the word is convince. He's giving us a sense of sin as well affirming to us that Jesus, all the truth, the way to God is. When you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you don't need a list, you know what I'm talking about? You don't need the sin list. Well, pastor, can we do this or can we do that? Let me tell you, if you're, if you're born again, you already have the Spirit of God. Amen. You mean if I'm born again, I'm out? Yeah, you can't, you, can't have, you can't have God without the Spirit of God. So every one of you already has that little gnawing feeling, that little scratchy thing in your spirit when you're, when you're navigating away from God's best. As you remember, sin, I, let me spend a little time on this just to clarify it. Sin means you miss the mark. That's all it means. There, you know, there's a perfect target. You want to hit the bullseye, but you keep hitting on the side. That's really what sin means. That God has something really good for you, but we keep hitting it. So guess what? The Holy Spirit convinces you. And, it's a, and again, back to the small inner voice that we talked about last week. He'll tell you, hey, come on, man. Don't talk to your wife like that. Don't do that. Turn that thing off. Don't lie on your taxes. Oy, bien cristianos, se acabaron los amenos. Some of you guys have some social security numbers, you don't even know who they belong to. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say, that's all I'm going to say. 
Well, I think they're related to us. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Number three, he lives in us. You're not alone. You know, these words should never come out of a Christian's mouth, even though they do come out a lot. I'm so lonely. Uh Uh-uh. You're not alone. You're never going to be alone. You can be acting a fool, and you're still not alone. The Holy Spirit's not going to give up on you. The Holy Spirit's not going to leave you. He lives in us when we acknowledge Christ as Savior and fills us and allows the Spirit access to every part of our lives. Number three. Number four. He guides and leads us when we ask, leading us into what? Into truth. He will never lead you into deception. He will never lead you into these things. You know, some of the, H will remember some of these stories. You know, that's what I'm saying. The charismatic movement has done a lot of damage, and people get weary of it because there's a lot of weird people acting like the Holy Spirit. And, you know, and I've heard this one more than once, but I had a lady years and years and years ago. We were still in the little building, and one day, you know, she came and said, Lord, you know, Pastor, the Lord told me I need to go back to school. I'm like, okay, that's probably a good thing. Go back to school. So she went back to school, you know, back to, you know, university. And about a month later, she came back and says, Pastor, the Lord told me I need to leave school. And I told her in my very loving and sarcastic way, I said, well, I guess God can't make up his mind, can he? (laughs) Because you see, that's not what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't confuse you. He leads you to truth. You might not like the truth, but he'll lead you to truth. Like my opening statement, that might make some people uncomfortable, but I said it in full love. I have no odd against anything. But he'll lead you to truth. And he'll tell you this is wrong. Amen. This is wrong. He'll tell you. And he doesn't, he's not going to give you an hour explanation. He'll say that this is wrong. So the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit, so we shouldn't have a sense of not really knowing. And that's what I'm saying. When, when, when you see all this craziness that's happening in the church now of, you know, organizations licensing and ordaining people with, you know, alternate lifestyles, you know what? Those people aren't being led by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit would never lead you to that. That's just not, that's not something he's going to do. The other one, you know, he lives in us when we acknowledge Christ. Let's go to the next one. Let me just keep reading off the, 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 I'll just go off the screen. He guides and leads us when we ask, leads in all truth, helps us understand and apply the scripture to our lives. If you don't understand the scripture, as the Holy Spirit. If there's something I, I say that you don't understand, you can always go back and listen to it again. And at this time, you ask the Holy Spirit, ask, Holy Spirit, can you reveal this to me? Can you, can you explain this? I don't, you know, I've had these conversations. I have these conversations. You know, I'm, I'm almost, you know, whatever, 28 years in ministry. And every time I study, I'll run across passages. It happened even this week. I'll run across something, and I'll sit there, and I'll read various translations, and I'm still not grasping it. And I'll try to read in context, and I'll read from the whole chapter, and, I read, and I'm still kind of gray area for me, and I'll just say, okay, Holy Spirit, let's talk about this, because I still don't, I'm not grabbing it. And if you just sit there for a few minutes, wow, it opens up. It's amazing how this works. It really is cool. He teaches us how to pray and prays for us when we don't know what to pray. That's in Romans. So you say, well, I don't know how to pray. That's the Holy Spirit, because he'll teach you how to pray. It says in Romans, he does intercession for us. He's there for you. So all these things, you know, where I'm going with this list, these are all gifts. These are all endowments that the Holy Spirit has made available to you. All right, let's keep going. He prompts us to listen to God's still small voice. We talked a lot about that last week, as well as lifting our voices in joyful worship. He empowers us to share God's love with others and live boldly in times of trouble. Again, a gifting. You know, people are always nervous. I don't know how to share Jesus. Well, you're not supposed to know. Just ask the Holy Spirit. Amen? I have a group of... It's funny what's happening 
but it's all good. So when I go to Walmart in Laredo, the one on the loop, there's, there's these guys that, that work it there for, a, a, it's a Christian, kind of like a drug rehab center. Some of you probably met them. And they hand out flyers and ask for donations. That's what they do. But, you know, I always talk to them. And I was getting gas, and, and one guy came up to me, and, and, I, and I said, oh, I think I met you. He says, no, I haven't. I says, well, I guess I met the other guy, because I met like five of these guys, you know. And he told me, and, and he began to share his heart, and he, it was really interesting, because he was from Ireland. That was random, right? In Laredo. Because I heard that little accent. I said, where are you from, brother? And he goes, I'm from Dublin. And I'm like, Dublin? I said, I've been to Dublin. He goes, like, now we have to really random. And I, he got talking to some guys. I said, I've been to, you know, north of Dublin, too. And because and he said to me, like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, no, I've been to Dundalk. And if you don't know what Dundalk is, you're going to have to Google it. It's a town north of Dublin. And when I said Dundalk, he said, oh, you've been to Ireland. I said, yeah, I've been to Ireland. And, you know, we got to talking. At the end of the day, I'm praying for him. Another guy comes up. And Monica's sitting in the car, and I, and I didn't have any money. And I said, do you have some money? And we found another bill. They had already walked. They said, come over here. And I gave him some money. We're having church outside the gas station. I'm, I'm saying we're praying for him right there. I'm praying. I'm just, you know, speaking live and almost prophesying over him. And, you know, people are looking. Guess what? I don't care because that's a Holy Ghost moment. You think I care what people think about me? First of all, they don't know me. This is really easy to get past people because there's only two kinds of people. Let me help you. For all of you that are, oh, ¿qué van a decir? The people that don't know you, guess what? They don't know you. You can act a fool. They don't know you. And the people that know you already know you're crazy, so it doesn't matter. So just be free. Come on, somebody, get free. Share Jesus. Talk to people about Jesus. You know, what do you have to hide? But you've got to learn to depend on him. You don't, that's, how you, that's how you keep from being weird. Amen. Somebody out there needs to hear what Jesus did for you. But the Holy Spirit will bring it. Has, just, just in a show of hands, raise your hand if this happened to you. You got to talking to somebody, and stuff came out of your mouth, and you know that you know that you're not that smart. <laughs> I raise both hands. I'm like, I'm like, whoa, dude, it sounds like you almost went to university or something, right? That's the Holy Ghost. You say things, and how, another thing that's happened to you, you start sharing, and you hear what you need to hear. That's even worse, because now you're telling somebody what to do, and the Holy Spirit says, that's for you, that's for you, that's for you, that's for you. It's amazing how this works. You see, all these are the endowments and the supers that will completely make your natural amazing. I don't want to live in, in that natural world. I say this almost every time I preach now, but I don't know what it would be like to wake up and, not, and know that God has left. That would be so weird. I'm so used to his presence. I'm so used to depending. I'm so used to sleeping good at night. You know, people say, aren't you scared to live out in a ranch? And, oh, I'd be scared to live in Heavenville, man. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I got it. Holy Ghost knows where I'm at. You know, my wife stays by herself hours and hours. And, well, not by herself. There's like, you know, half a dozen dogs out there. But, you know, but we know that the Holy Spirit's got this. There's a sense of peace that God's got this. You know, we've traveled to places, we've been on airplanes and stuff that shouldn't have even been flying. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit's got this. But he does empower you to share God's love and live boldly in times of trouble. He distributes spiritual gifts to us for use in the body, his church. And we will talk about those next week. I know some of you really are anxious to get to that, and we will. But you have to understand, that's not the only thing the Holy Spirit does. That is just one aspect of the giftings. And I know it's, 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 it's powerful to pray in tongues. It's powerful to walk 
with you know, the, the spirit of prophecy and the gifts of faith and healings. But you have to understand, that's not the only thing that he does. There's, oh, through the whole Bible, you're going to find spirit. There's, there's a scripture that I love in the book of Isaiah. It's just so powerful. And I, and I think there's actually a mis, misquotation. He says, when the enemy rises up against you, like a flood, the spirit of God will stop him. I know that's a loose paraphrase, but that's exactly what it says. And the misfunction is that they put, when the, when the enemy rises up against you as a flood, comma, I believe the comma is supposed to go before the flood because one of the symbolisms of the Holy Spirit is water. Amen? And I just take that I, every day. When the devil comes, I like, devil, you messed up. You messed up big because here comes a tsunami that's going to just wash you away. Amen? I mean, people, listen to me. It's so sad to see Christians that are downtrodden and act like they got no hope and act like they got no future and always, you know, they're always upset about something, always depressed. I'm saying, what's the matter with you? You have the very spirit of the creator in you. And we have to begin to grow that things because the Holy Spirit, just like everything else that God does, it will be based on faith. You have to have faith that you have this available. You have to believe that it's available. If you don't believe all this is available, it's not going to work. Because without faith, you can't please God. Amen. Number eight, he empowers us to share God's love with others and live bold. Oh, I already read that one. Number ten, I already did nine. Produces fruit in us. We talked a lot about that a few weeks ago. The evidence of the Spirit's work and presence in our lives. And of course, the fruit of the Spirit. We did a whole series on that, Galatians 5. Number 11, I think this is a big one, boy. I, 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 I draw on this gift a lot. He comforts us. You know, I'll, I'll take a, a brief moment so y'all cut, cut us some slack, but pastoring a lot of times is very, 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 very misunderstood. And I had just recently dealt with something this week, somebody that doesn't quite understand what I do, and they've taken offense over it, and that's just heartbreaking, you know, they you know, they'll leave the church or whatever. More than likely, they already left the church because they don't understand what our job is. I'm not going to get into any details. But hopefully, you have to understand that when those things happen, I go to the Holy Spirit because it does break our heart. If anybody leaves the church, it breaks our heart. It still does. You know, we, we're not as thin-skinned as we used to, you know, but, it, but, you know, you pastor people, especially people that have been with you many, many, many years. It's, it's, it's not easy. But you know what? The Holy Spirit helps us with that. He brings you comfort. You, you, you lost a loved one. You know, COVID was very hard for a lot of people. Well, if you know that believer, that person was a believer, you have comfort that, that they're not there, they're alive. The Holy Spirit brings that comfort. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. That is one of the things, that, and I draw a lot on this. And then, you know, he seals the believers and bear witnesses that we are children of God. Again, nailing this one in, you have to believe God for all this. Are you still here? You have to believe God for this. You know, you are not alone. He seals it. The Bible, you know, Book of Romans says the Holy Spirit reminds you that you're a child of God. When things aren't going your way, when I had this conversation, I believe it was, wow, I have so many, you guys don't realize how many phone calls and text messages go on in our life. And that's fine. That's what we do. But it was something in, in that nature. And I, and I told this person, I said, you know, the Holy Spirit knows exactly where you're at. And that helped them to understand. He said, you're not alone in any of this. He will well knit witness. When everything is not going your way, that small inner voice said, come on, cheer up. You're, you're a child of God. It's going to be all right. Look at your neighbor and just tell him, it's going to be all right. Do that right now. Somebody needs to hear that. It's going to be all right. Whatever you're, that's a prophetic word for somebody right now. Whatever you're dealing with, listen to me. 
There's a mountain in your life, and you're right now, you sitting in this church, it might be somebody online, but I'm thinking somebody in this building, I feel, you know, understanding by the Holy Spirit, and you're sitting here and you're saying, you know, Pastor, you, don't, you have no idea what I'm going through. Guess what? I don't. But the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you're dealing with right now. And he loves you enough to walk you through it and help you navigate. And yes, you will make the right decisions when the time of decision comes. If you give him space. I don't know who that was for, but you take that. And the last one, unites believers in oneness to the body. You want a church, and, I, and I, that's why I love faith with, even though we're not big in numbers, we're big in that. And that's why we're changing nations, and that's why we're affecting things. When people say, how in the world can a little church in Hebronville have an international outreach? I don't know, except for the Holy Ghost. Amen? Because he's united us. We're all different backgrounds. We have different upbringings. But most of you, most people in this room, most people watching us online get what Faithway is about. That we, we have a, a mission to accomplish. Well, guess what? It's the Holy Spirit that knits that through a congregation. A congregation that is split, a congregation that is fighting, a congregation that is, has two different views is a congregation that hasn't given the Holy Spirit a place. Amen? And I, I'm telling you, get, you understand that the Holy Spirit is a uniter. He's not a divider. And when you pick up a divisive spirit of any form, including your marriage, you've got to be sensitive to that. Because one of the things the Holy Spirit does, he joins, he unites, he grows things. Amen? Okay, now this is where I want to get. I just got a few minutes to introduce this. Like, I knew there was no way we'd finish. So I, I, I broke it up in two parts. Now we get to really the big one. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 12. And this is really... If, you, if you're going to get one thing out of this message this morning, this is it. You have to understand that the love walk is a must. And we're going to try to define biblical love. Because there's a difference between I love my dog, and there's, hopefully there's a big difference between I love my dog and I love my wife. Amen? Yeah. I love my kids. Some of you are like, well, I love my dog more than my kids. No, that's not. No, you love your kids. That's a different place. But even all those kind of loves that we have as a human, because some people go from I love a hamburger to I love my wife, you know. No, we're talking about something else. We're talking about an empowerment of love that God will put on your heart where you can forgive on automatic. Hello. Where you can really forgive on automatic. The Holy Spirit needs this environment. You say, I don't know, Pastor, I still have... Well, you know, you have to deal with it because the Holy Spirit has to have this because guess what? The Spirit of God is love. How do you, I mean, this is really simple. This is a really simple question. How do you expect the Holy Spirit of love to move inside of you and within you and make your life supernatural if you spend your whole time in strife? Hello? How do you expect him to move? How do you expect him to feel comfortable? You know, it's sad to say, but you know, all Christians aren't Christian. Because Christian is not just a tag, it's a lifestyle. And that lifestyle of Christianity should be based on love. I mean, if there's one thing that Jesus is going to identify us with, is by our love. Did he say that? You will know them by their love. He says, you won't know them by the sign on the church. You won't know them by what denomination they are. You'll know them by their love. And the Spirit of God is a spirit of love. 
Man, I was, I've been reading some stuff. I was going to, but it won't take time. And I, do, I just started this book, but so far it's so good. It's called um, The Face of the Deep. And, and it's called Exploring the Mysterious Person of the Holy Spirit. And this guy, Paul J. Pastor, that's his name, Pastor. No, he's not a pastor. I mean, maybe he is, but that's his last name. He, um, he really gets into this thing about what is love? And he, I mean, there's some insights there that were really refreshing to me because he says love is everywhere. Love is the fact that God created trees. So those trees are surrounded with the presence of God. And wherever the pre- I mean, and, and he begins to really break it down, break it down. And, and it just really got my, my mind to thinking because the love walk, you know, God is love. God is not, God does not love. We love. We can love and not love, right? Come on, just say yes, even if you don't agree with it. <laughs> You know, women are really good at this because they want, I love you. I don't love you anymore, right? But that's not the kind of love that God has. And two minutes later, I love you again. Oh, come on, make up your mind. Do you love me or do you don't love me, right? No, his love is what he's made out of. So what is love? So, you know, it's hard for a human to even understand agape because we're so used to our understanding of love. And we'll go from the basic things. I love certain food. I don't love certain food. I love certain things. I don't love certain things. And then you keep going up the scale till you get to people. Well, it's the same thing when you get to people. I love some people and some people I don't. Come on, let's just be honest. You don't love everybody. You tolerate everybody. So agape is something different. Because agape, you can't turn it off. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about something that God is made of from all the time. Before creation, he was love. And Jesus was love. And when the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, over the deep, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it was the Spirit of love that created the universe. This whole thing was created by the Spirit of love. So now you get an idea that the Spirit of love needs the environment of love to give you a supernatural life. And if you are still at a position, and again, this is just what the Bible says, it's not what I say. You go to 1 Corinthians, Paul called him out. He says, I can't give you all meat because you're still fighting. There's schisms and divisions among you. Paul's calling out the church in Corinth, and he says, you know, I, was, I wish I could give you meat, but y'all, all, y'all can barely digest his milk because of fighting, because of schisms, because of strife. And I'm telling you people, if you want to create an environment for the Holy Spirit to move, you're going to have to understand what is agape, not what your feelings are. Because this, we're humans, and as a pastor, it would be very, you know, this is one of the things I try not to be as a pastor. I've dealt with some very, very hard, hard issues of people that were, I'm not going to give details, but people that were tremendously traumatized by evil done unto them, and then they come to a church, and they hear something like, well, you've got to forgive them. Well, that's not that easy for that person. And as a pastor, you can't just give them the little, well, you know, Jesus said you've got to forgive because if then God doesn't forgive you. And, and not, not only on top, on top of their trauma, now you're giving them a bunch of dose of condemnation. Amen. So as a pastor, you have to be sensitive and say, you can't just say, well, you're supposed to forgive them. Because my job as a pastor is not only to say you're supposed to forgive them, I'm supposed to tell you how to do it. Because there's some, I'm talking serious stuff. I'm not talking, oh, you know, they didn't talk to me. They didn't share. I'm talking abuse. I'm talking rape. I'm talking, you know, really, really serious stuff. And for, for a pastor to say, well, all you got to do is forgive them, that is not that easy. So what, how can you ask somebody to forgive them? Well, let me help you. You can't forgive unless it's through the Spirit of God. Now everything changes. 
Because we're not qualified to forgive anything because if we're just going to base it on Adam's nature, because Adam's nature demands vengeance. Amen. So we have to understand when we are faced with a challenge where we've been abused, hurt, put down, broken down, there is giftings that will help you navigate through that period of your life. And you will recover. And you will be a brand new person. But it has to be understood through that spiritual, supernatural endowment of the power of love. Because the Spirit of God is the Spirit of love. You can't separate them. That's why it always bothered me, you know, within charismatic circles where people would get and prophesy over people or say things that were not love, that were condemning, that were controlling. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, that person just got, you know, God will come in and straighten you out. But even the discipline comes with love. He can't help himself. He is love. Are you with me? You can't take the wet off of water. You can't take the love off of God. That's what he is. So when you're faced with a challenge that says, the Christian challenge, say, I need to release this person out of my life, but you don't understand how much he hurt me, I say, yeah, I understand how much he hurt you, and I'll tell you right now, you can't do it. But if you plug into this, that supernatural endowment will come on your life and you'll be able to release people left and right. Trust me, as a pastor, I've learned. That doesn't mean you have to have lunch with them ever again. That just means you don't carry them with you. Are you here? And maybe that's a word for somebody this morning, you know? Let's, let's look into this because we've got to get this. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and we're going to flow through it because it goes into chapter 13. Remember, number and verse came later, so you gotta, this is one time that you've got to keep reading because you can't really separate context unless you read through. And God sent me, I'm going to pick it up in the middle, I mean towards the end, it says, God sent, God had set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, third teachers, after the miracles, gifts of healings, helps governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? You know, it's amazing that Paul leaves that hanging. He doesn't answer that. I wanted him to answer that. Because my answer is no, right? No. But he doesn't say that. He just says, he just leaves it out there. But he does say this, have all gifts of healings? Do all speak tongues? Do all interpret? He's making all these questions. Let's go to the next one. And then he goes on to say, in verse 31, he says, you know, I know they're in two different slides, but let's go back to what he said. So he's asking a question. Do all prophesy? Do all do this? Do all do that? And he just leaves it hanging. He doesn't say yes or no. But he says this. Pay attention now, because, you know, people are anxious. Oh, I want to move with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Really? Start with this one. Because Paul spent a whole chapter to bring this one in. He puts a sandwich right smack in the middle. You got to understand, the teaching, the, the biggest teaching the church has on the gifts of the Holy Spirit starts in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. That's where most of the meat that we use to teach this stuff comes from. And then he says, if I speak in tongues, now pay attention to verse 31. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm ahead of myself. Covet earnestly the best gift. Everybody say the best gift. So which is the best gift? Is it prophecy? Is it healing? No. That's why he, said, he just left that question hanging. He said, are all doing miracles? Are all healing? Are all prophets? You know, what's going on? He says, but I want you to covet. Now, covet's not in the bad sense. The word covet is strongly desire the best gifts. So the question is now, which are the best gifts? Well, he's about to tell you, and it's not really gifts, it's really one. 
He says, and I will show you unto you a more excellent way. And then he moves into chapter, well, we know chapter 13, but he's still talking about the same thing. He says, if I speak in tongues, which is one of the gifts he just mentioned, right? He just mentioned this one. So now he's going to start clarifying all this. He says, of man or angels, but I do not have love. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You don't want to do that. So you know, he's, now he's breaking it down. If I have the gift of prophecy, well, he just mentioned prophecy. So he's addressing them now. But he's not addressing them like we expected, right? We expected a big no or a big yes. He just said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before we go into the, 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 the awesomeness of these gifts, and they are awesome, and you should have them, and you should know how to use them. But he says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, very simple statement, I am nothing. Church, listen to me this morning. You want to move in the Holy Spirit? You're going to have to cultivate love. Because it's a love that we don't understand. We're talking about agape. We're talking about a supernatural form of love. What causes a church like this one to get involved in a nation like Cuba and pour thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into that nation, not expecting anything ever to come back to us, except, of course, you know, God's harvest. It's called love. It's just called love. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. What causes a church like this one to pour all this money that we're doing, and again, thank you all for your generosity, but this week we have this big BBS, is because we believe, like Kathy said, in that seed. But you know what feels that? Love. And when people say, y'all are crazy, no. We've just understood something, that God will place a demand on you to love, to love, to release love. And he'll do it this very week. And he will make you love the unlovely. That's really where it's at. He'll teach you how to forgive the unforgivable. That's love. He'll teach you to reach out to some of the darkest corners that you would never, ever, ever imagine going to because of love. You know, we don't do things, at least, I don't, you know, I, I, I do have this problem. Y'all can pray for me. I don't think, overthink too many things ever since I was a kid, and I would get in a lot of trouble. I, I didn't really, it's funny, because yesterday when I spoke to, to the class of 21 in Bruni and just very briefly spoke, because they gave me two minutes, and then very graciously they gave me two more. And you all know me, that was a miracle. I was able to preach a sermon in four minutes. It's not happening today or ever again, so y'all don't ever get excited about that. I don't know where I was going with this, but it was good. I'll come back. Oh, I know what it was. About the little ten points I gave to them. And I don't know if they listened to them on them. But within those, you know, it was this idea to walk in these things, to go to these places to understand the move of this. Now, again, I didn't get all preachy because it's a school and it's like that, but my point of it is, you know, God will set you up, but it will be fueled by a love for things. And I look back again at my life, and I look back at these decisions. That's where I was going, to these decisions that I've made, because one of the points that I made in the 10-point super-fast sermon I gave them was make sure... You think about the consequences, right? Make sure 
you, you decide correctly because every decision has a consequence. Well, that wasn't wired into me, and I, make, I used to make a lot of decisions without ever thinking about the consequences. You're like, wow, now this wasn't good. But you know what's something that love does in the right context? It doesn't, it doesn't keep you in a place of non-resolve, if that makes sense. The love of God a lot of times doesn't make any sense. But you know in your knower that that's what you're supposed to do. Has anybody been there? It makes no sense. But inside of you, God says that's, that's what love does. And that's really where I'm going to this, you know, because Paul is breaking what he addressed. He's breaking it down now. He says, if I give all I possess to the poor, which, you know, we do, and give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So what you're seeing now in these scriptures, you can go to the next one, you're seeing is that every one of these points, Paul is saying there's a move of the Spirit but if love is not part of the move of the Spirit, nothing that you're doing has any benefit. It's just a bunch of noise. It's just a bunch of emotional, charismaniac stuff. Amen. Verse 4, now he begins to tell you the personality. Because love is a living, breathing entity. Remember, it's not just a feeling. It's not a mushy feeling. God is love. God is a person. Love is a person. Love is patient. So you, you could change every one of those words love and put God there. And it was still the same thing. So if you would say, what's God like? God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't boast. Love doesn't envy. Love is not proud. Next one. It does not dishonor others. Love is something of respect and honor. It's not self-seeking. All this is love. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Say amen, ladies. Come on. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. No, all the, men didn't, all the men should have said amen, but they're so scared of their wives, not, they don't want to say amen. amen. Sometimes my wife won't remember what I told her yesterday, but she'll remember what I told her 25 years ago when I was mad. <laughs> I know, no, maybe I'm not like, because y'all pull out all those weapons, right? Well, back in 1982. Nope, love doesn't dishonor, love is not self-seeking, and love keeps no records of wrongs. You've been hurt by somebody, you don't keep a record of it. But you don't understand what they did to me. No, I don't. And I'm not saying it's not a serious thing. I'm just saying if you're going to operate in a place where the Holy Spirit is available to you, this is the very first things you're going to have to develop. The gift of love. That's an endowment that our Adam's nature does not have. But with Jesus comes the spirit of Jesus. And with the spirit of Jesus comes the spirit of love. So you have it in you. You have no excuse not to... Now, again, like everything else we do in the Bible, they are developed. You're not, not going to just fall into it one day like, ooh, I got this amazing love. You work it. And remember what Jesus said about this? He said there's really no merit in loving the lovely. He says really where it is is in loving the unlovely. That's what he said. The power of love is really manifested in the places where you've been wronged or where you feel unjust, or where you feel, you know, that you've been betrayed. And I, and I don't want to leave this hanging. I say this very carefully because 
I'm sensitive to some of the things people have gone through. That doesn't mean you ever, ever have to hang out with that person. That means you have to learn how to release that person. Because if you're controlled by anger, and you're controlled by unforgiveness, and you're controlled by all these things, the Holy Spirit will not, well, I'm going to say will not, cannot. He cannot move. He needs this environment. So when you're talking, well, I want to learn about prophecy. Yeah, that's going to be awesome when we learn about that. But the first thing you've got to learn is how to love people. Because if not, then you'll find into a, fall into a deceptive spirit. And I already said this because I've been around this too long in my life, where you'll get people that'll say, oh, I got a word for you. And I'm like, oh, boy. Somebody tells me that, and it's like, you know, I'm like the Mandalorian, you know, just zzz, everything closes up. Somebody don't want to talk about it. Don't worry about it. It's Star Wars stuff. It's just like, as soon as somebody says, I got a word, I'm like, okay, here it comes. Now, sometimes it is a word from God. But it seems like most of the time it's a word of control. Huh? Because even when God corrects you, he corrects you in love, right? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And I keep putting the word love. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Again, you can interchange all those with God. All right, give me the last. I think it's, we're getting close to the last slide. So verse 8. Oh, I love this one because this is the big one. Love never fails. God. Say it. God. Never, never fails. fails. Love. Say it. Never fails. So a person that is developing their love walk, guess what happens? That person never fails. Well, that's a good word, man. If you didn't get anything else, that, that was worth your morning right there. Love never fails. When you make decisions based on God's love, even if it makes no sense in the natural, you won't fail. That's what I mean by a supernatural lifestyle. You know, some of the a few points I gave to, to the graduating class was, you know, just 10 simple points for success. Foundations for success. Very simple things. I'm not going to say that. But I'm telling you, you want a foundation for success? It's that one right there. You just love people. It doesn't matter, you know. And the, and the ones that are unlovely, you forgive them and you bless them. And it's amazing. When you lay on love thick, it changes people's hearts. If not, go, wait till you go to a restaurant and get you a, a waiter or a waitress that has a bad attitude. Please don't send your food back. That's not wise. I, I amaze people. Man, they'll sit there and say, oh, the, the steak is not cooked. I'm like, dude, it's coming with extra gravy. You know that, right? That's all I'm going to say. I'm, I'm going to ruin y'all's lunch. No, you just love people. If the food's not well done, order something else or don't eat it. But don't start a big scene. My, my, my wife and I, we do this all the time. We get a rude waiter, and we just, start, we just go, on, go into love mode. We're like, oh, thank you very much. Because here's what Christian, you know, not you guys, because you guys are awesome Christians. Most people, that person, I can't believe. If they think they're getting a tip. Hmm. I'm, I'm actually on the complete side of that. If they're, if they're rude, I leave them a big tip. And let that tip speak love to them. Is it, Pastor, that's stupid? No, it's not. That's that. That's how you get to walk in the supernatural. Because supernatural doesn't make any sense. Why would you bless somebody that's been rude? Because of that. That's the only reason. I feel like not giving them anything. But love says no. You fix it. And you say thank you. And you say please. And you treat those people with respect. And we've seen those people change within 
five, 15 minutes when they're serving you. Come on, how many have had that experience? Or maybe somebody at a store, maybe somebody at a counter. You don't know what hell they're going through. Come on, cut them some slack, amen? All you can do is walk in love. Maybe it's not this, you know, you know, you can make choices afterwards. You can never go back to that restaurant. But all I'm saying is love never fails. And any circumstance in your life where you choose a love walk, guess what? It's not going to fail. And he goes on to say, and this is towards the end, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time. He says, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is not, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Because somebody used to say, well, there it is, Pastor Box. Tongues have disappeared. No, he says when completeness comes. In other words, when this is fulfilled, then all that stops. We don't need tongues in heaven. Can I hear an amen? We don't need prophecy. We don't even, you know, the love of, of God is the atmosphere of heaven. So you're not, you don't have to try to love in heaven. You breathe love in heaven. That's what he refers to. He says, but as when we're down here, we need to develop it. And he finishes with this. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. It, and I reasoned like a child. Well, what is he talking about? He's talking about maturity and developing the number one gift that the Holy Spirit can give you, which is love. Because you know what? You know, an immature Christian, according to everything that I've found in the Bible, one of the characteristics of an immature Christian is strife. It is anger. It's unforgiveness. It's troublemakers. Those are children. The church, to be effective, needs to grow up. The church, to actually make a difference in this community, needs to grow up. And if you're spending all your time in a little knot because of what somebody did or they didn't do to you, you're not effective for Jesus. Amen. I'm trying to encourage you this morning. If you, got, you, got, you want some marching orders this week? Develop this. Ask the Holy Spirit. And he might give you 10,000 opportunities to deal with ugly people. And th Well, that's how you learn. <laughs> Help me, Holy Spirit, to love people. And he puts you around a lot of lovely people. That's not how it works. I remember when I taught my grandson to, to ride the bike. I thought he was going to die. Because, you know, we live on a ranch. Our road is caliche. And, you know, we, I'm old school. Helmets? Whatever. And I would push him, and he'd eat it. Plow! And he fell, actually, into some brush once. And plow! And I'm like, dude, this kid, you know, plow! And just... But then once he finally got it. How many remember that? Every time he ate it, I'm like, Tah! it all be scraped up. But guess what? He got it. And he'll never forget how to ride a bicycle. That's exactly what I'm talking about, developing the love walk. You'll love people that are unlovable, and you're going to feel like, well, that didn't go out too good. You walk up to somebody that did you wrong, but you're doing the Christian thing, right? You say, I just want to apologize, and they'll say something like, well, about time. <laughs> you're like, I take that back. No, you don't. You're practicing. Come on, somebody. You're developing. You're growing. You're becoming mature. Because the Holy Spirit needs this in your heart to move. There's no point in talking about prophecy and laying on of hands and discernment of spirits and the gift of faith and the gift of healings and the gift of you know, all these wonderful things. There's no point because if the vessel is not a vessel of love, all those other attributes will be mishandled or won't be available. 
Amen. I'm preaching way better than you guys are reacting this morning. Anyway, I'm done. For we see now a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. And these three remain. Go ahead and stand with me as, we, as I read this last scripture. Because I'm going to go right into prayer right after this. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest one is love. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. And Lord, we've received it. And Lord, the one thing we're going to take communion over, I want to take it in my personal life, but even as a church, that this church, Father, is sealed in the love of God. That this church, Father, is not sealed on just programs and trying to fit in to culture and trying to just to grow the church by people. The supernatural will grow this church, Lord. The signs, the wonders, the miracles. But Father, every one of those gifts will move in an atmosphere of love. And Father, I pray, if you're here this morning, and if you're watching me online, and there's just something that the Holy Spirit brought up, this is the time to fix it before we take communion. To say, Father, I forgive. Father, I release. And acknowledge you can't do it. I already told you, don't feel bad if you can't forgive because you can't. And the conversation. But the way you can is by permitting the spirit of love to wash all that bitterness and all that anger and all that hurt off. So right now, in the name of Jesus, if that's you, I speak the spirit of life over you. If that's you, go ahead. If, if you know, I know this has been a little theme since I started preaching. You release the love of God over that person. It doesn't have, you don't have to feel nothing. You don't have to, you know, have any little goosebumps or nothing. You just say, Lord, I release the love of God over that person. I will hold them no longer in awe against me. Walk free this morning. But I want you to develop the love walk. Work on it. I don't think we'll ever get it completely right till we get to heaven, but we sure can work on it. Father, give us opportunities this week to manifest the love of Jesus. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Ushers, if you would minister to the people. We're going to take communion. I know we're, we're getting close to the clock, but just bear with us. You know, These things are significant. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're more than qualified to do this. If you're watching us online, why don't you go ahead and run to the kitchen and get a, you know, if you have juice or water, a piece of bread, something. Have communion with us. What I always do in communion, I bring, I bring things to the table. I don't just do a religious thing. One, one thing I do want to bring is this idea of walking in love. But the other one is, you know, let's, let's pray over our vacation Bible school. Let's pray over the summer as the summer gets going. You know, let's pray over this church. Let's, let's take communion that everything we do as Faithway, but also everything you do in your personal life will succeed. Can you say amen to that? All right, so I'll, I'll wait till the ushers to minister to you. We'll take communion, then right after that we will pick up this morning's offering, and you will be dismissed. Praise God. Glory to Jesus. You know, another thing you can do in communion this morning is if you're having problem forgiving somebody, releasing somebody that's done you harm, take communion over it. Ask me how I know. <laughs> I've done this many times. I just finally settled. I said, Lord, I put this person before you because, you know, you need to help me with this, God. And he will help you. He'll, he'll take it very seriously. 
Just remember the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You know, God has called us to freedom. But that freedom, a lot of it depends on our interaction with the Holy Spirit. You know, he's called us to a life of victory. He's called us to a life of peace. But all that peace comes through the Holy Spirit. All the victory comes through the Holy Spirit. All the good things God does come through the Holy Spirit. So I want to make sure the Holy Spirit has, feels comfortable interacting with me. Amen? And that's what, that's what really my message is this morning. Father, we pray over this communion this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being part of the body of Christ. And we take this very seriously, Lord. We don't just do this as a little tradition every first of the month. Father, we, we bring the success of Vacation Bible School over the communion table. We settle it that this will be a success, both Vacation Bible School here and in Laredo. But I also pray, Father, this morning that you grant us that ability by the Holy Spirit to love the way you love God. And help us also grow up, God. We want to be mature Christians. We don't want to be babies anymore. And Father, we bless everyone around us. And I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being in the body of Christ. Thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name, we pray. Reading out of 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 24, Paul writing, When he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This is in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had sub saying, this is the cup in the New Testament, in my blood, do you often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the seal of the Holy Spirit. And Father, once again, we take communion knowing that this is serious for you, that it's not just grape juice and a bread but Father, it's something more significant. It's something more profound. And we settle it right now. And we thank you for freedom in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, ushers, you may minister back to the people. Well, did you get something out of all that this morning? Praise God. So much better when I actually preach it. You know, I've been studying this all week. <laughs> when it actually comes out, it's just so good. And we'll stay on this next week. You know, hopefully you can come back and we're, we're going to keep working on it. But like I said, my job was to help you, is my job is to help you, help all of us, help myself, because the more I, I had a, I had a real deep thought yesterday. I said, the more I learn, the less I know. You ever felt that way? Right, H, is that how it works? The more you learn, the more you, less, the more you find out you don't know about anything. That's how it is with God. You would think after 20-something years, man, I start digging into some of this stuff and I find out things pretty right there. That, like, wow. You would think after 28 years, I'd know that. <laughs> now we're all growing. We're all growing. It's good to see you guys this morning. Amen. I want to give you a quick update on Cuba. Um, we received a, a, a generous offering from Jerry Savelle Ministries, and we want to thank him for it. And most of that money has already been transferred to Cuba. There's um, talked to Pastor Yoel quite a bit. Um, you know, things are moving. Things are still they really think there's a change coming. I had a long conversation. I'm not sure what all that entails, but there's a, there's a, a lot of stuff happening even with the Cuban government. So just keep you in prayer because we are believing that Cuba will be free. You know, it's, it's just really a, something that we're all believing for, not just me, but thousands of people around the world that are praying for that nation. So again, thank you for all for your support. That is still a thing and, and we're still supporting. But yeah, we sent, um, just to give you an idea because of, of what Jerry Savelle ministries was sent us and the little money that we had in reserve 
Uh, we sent $3,500 to Cuba this week. Glory to God. Amen. That's going to feed a lot of people. You have no idea how many people. Because food isn't, there's a shortage of food. There's a shortage of everything in Cuba. I mean, there's nothing right now. It is completely done. And that's why they think the government's finally going to fold. Just like what happened in the Soviet Union. So let's pray about that. But what I do want to encourage you, this is our last offering. Um, get behind our VBS, please. Pray about it. I don't even think you need to pray about it. You know, you're part of this community. You know, and I'm part of this community. Even though I don't live in Harrisville, I'm still part of this community. You know, as a pastor. And, you know, we're, we try to make this, this is going to be different. We've never done this. We're bringing these teams in. I think it's going to be really exciting. But again, the goal is not just to entertain kids. Remember that the goal is not to entertain kids. Now, we know that that's what draws kids. The prizes draws kids. We go back to that seed. That's what we believe in. So, I don't even know where our budget is at, so I'm not even going to give you numbers. I know we had a budget of roughly $2,000. Again, I'm not sure how much has come in or not, but again, everybody's at a different place. You know, some people can give $10, and that's an amazing offering. Some people can give $500, and that's an amazing offering. Numbers don't matter to God. What matters is heart. We know that because of the story of the widow and the two mites. That she gave least than everybody, but she gave everything. And Jesus recognizes her heart, not her offering. That's what I want you to do. If you believe in the children of this community, that we can do something different. Because I want you to think of something. Think about the way society is going. The changes we've seen in the last couple years. I mean, it's just been insane. Something Nobody would have ever imagined that a whole society on a world level can change that fast. I mean, I'm still, you know, lack of a better term, my head's still spinning of how far we've gone on so many things. Government control, you know, the whole COVID thing, you know, all the lies that you can't believe anything now. You know, everybody out there has lost credibility as far as I'm concerned. You know, I hate to say it, but, you know, organizations that used to be standards, like the CDC and other, I mean, they're all wrapped up in their political schemes and scams. And the world is just going spinning out of control. And where I'm going with this is, we got to give these kids an option. Say amen. You know, we got to give them an option to say there's something else other than that. There's something else other than that. And that's really why we do that. So your money is not just money. That's the, you know, you're giving these kids the opportunity to have an option to say, maybe there is a God. Maybe I don't have to live that way. Maybe I don't have to be confused about my gender. Maybe I don't have to being moral and crazy like a lot of the stuff that's going on nowadays you know so that's why we do what we do so thank you for your generosity and there'll be information so I guess if you're giving online just tag it we don't have a VBS drop down menu but we do have you know I, I believe it's special just drop it into special or you know or if you even drop it into the missions I know if it's done today we will go through the accounting and anything that's tagged missions or special because it is our mission right children are a mission field so Thank you for your generosity. There's information on the screen. Of course, there's an envelope nearby if you need one. And you can put your offering there and there'll be a box in the back. We're going to get back to the way we used to do offerings here in a little bit, you know, as, as things resolve with COVID. So, again, thank you all for your generosity. And we look forward. This Wednesday, we kick off our VBS. So there won't be no Wednesday night service. I'll be here. And, of course, the teams. And we still need volunteers, as Kathy mentioned. We still need prizes and gifts. The prizes and gifts, you guys can bring them on the last day. You don't have to bring them tomorrow. But, by, but when we're done, that's when we give everything away. Um, just do your part. And the biggest one is invite and bring. Now, this, this question came up, and I'll tell you what I said. 
because I, I haven't talked to um, Angie or anything about the registration, but the question came up and said, what happens if we meet the 200? Well, I'll tell you what happens. I don't turn anybody away. So if we get 200 and kids are still coming, we're going to still take them. 200 is what our goal, and if we reach it, it'll be awesome. But if we go past 200, because I know that came up, you know, we still need to, for you to register and all that. You know, we had set 200 because it's a lot of kids and the social distancing. But then again, you know, all that, if you, if you follow all the craziness on the news, they've been lying to us for a whole year, so it doesn't really matter. Amen. <laughs> the same guy that put the masks on us said that masks didn't work anyway, so there you go. So it's just craziness, but no, we will not turn any kids away. So if that's a question, but we do want you to go through the registration process and do it online and so forth and so on. Amen. And again, hopefully we'll see some of you here Wednesday. Bring kids, invite kids, try to get them all registered online first. That, that'll be the, the main thing. But we will have registration available, you know, like we always do, you know, hand registration. Let's all stand and I'll get you out of here. Thank you guys for, it's good to see you all this morning. And it's a blessing if you know anybody in Laredo that needs to get the word, send them to 800 East Man Road. We'll be there at two o'clock this afternoon. Father, we thank you so much.